0: Hello and welcome to All About Fertility podcast. I'm Ella, your host. It's Mother's Day today and happy Mother's Day to all mothers past, present and future. I hope you're celebrating with your loved ones. And look, I do understand that for some, it's really hard on this day and it can be a real trigger. I see you. Can I encourage you to hold on to your vision? And I know that it might be rough and it might be bumpy, but hold on to those visions and please reach out to um, there's a number of support groups out there reach out to myself um, and you know you don't have to struggle through this alone and if you feel that you would like to speak to someone and get that extra support I will have details or support groups and also my details in the show notes um, so you can reach out and get that help and encouragement that you need. And as it is Mother's Day, what I will be discussing today is the gift of egg donors. I'm here with Dr. Melissa Cameron from Melbourne IVF, where she focuses on fertility issues that affect women with endometriosis, fibroids and uterine abnormalities and helps couples with the most challenging fertility problems. Now, Dr Cameron also has a special interest in helping same-sex couples, transgender, gender-diverse and single women create their families through the Melbourne IVF donor program. So welcome Dr Cameron and thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much Ella for inviting me.
0: I actually used to work for Epworth about seven years ago, so ages now um, and i I was always interested because I worked with the clinicians and I was a business development manager there. And I always used to ask the clinicians how they chose their specialty. So did Art choose you or did you choose Art?
1: Uh, I think – It's a bit of a combination of things because before doing fertility, before becoming a fertility specialist, you have to train in obstetrics and gynae. And I had absolutely zero interest in it when I was about to do it as a medical student. In fact, I I couldn't have thought of anything worse to do. Um, But then when I started the term, it was actually, it was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. And you got involved with delivering people's babies, um, you got to do a lot of surgery. So there's a lot of diversity in it. Mm. Um, it might have helped that the first, um, the first patient I ever delivered their baby, they gave me flowers and chocolate. So that probably oh, swayed wow. me a little bit, I would say, but that was thrilling. And especially as a student to get that recognition mm. was amazing. Um, yeah. And It's often I, you don't get that, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And then My love has always been surgery. Um, I've always really loved operating. I've always been quite a crafty kind of person. And you definitely get to do a lot of that in GyNE. And a lot of my patients, because I deal with a lot of patients with endometriosis and so on, they were also struggling with fertility. So it, it kind of one area morphed into another area, and it's really lovely to see my patients and help them not only from a pain and endometriosis treatment point of view, but then also with fertility. Um, And I, I guess fertility straddles so many different areas of gynecology as well. As you've just mentioned, babies and mothers, happy Mother's Day. So how are you spending it? Um, My Mother's Day will be spent getting up fairly early to go to my son's football match. And I think this week, oh, I get to choose best on ground this week. Um, So that's my job. There's always a job for the parents. I'm usually COVID officer, which I quite like. I get a bright vest. But this week I get to choose best on ground. So it'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there'll be any breakfast in bed.
0: (laughs) Okay. So what I would like to do, because it is Mother's Day, I would like to focus on donor eggs and the importance of it, especially the need for it in Australia. And the donor program will always be an interest for me. It's such a blessing, the gift of a donor. They make it possible for families to achieve their dream. Now, I'm not sure whether you're aware that my husband and I, we have a donor conceived child um, using a sperm donor. But for us, it was an easy decision. We had no choice. My husband had cancer um, previously and it left him infertile. So it was either using a sperm donor or going down the adoption route. And so we we use IVF and a sperm donor. But for some, it's not such an easy decision, especially when someone has been going round after round using their their own eggs and praying and hoping that that one will be their miracle child. So when do you think a person should start looking into egg donors?
1: Um, Yeah, you're right, Ella, that sometimes there isn't any options and in a way that it makes the conversation a little bit more straightforward if donor conception is the only option. It doesn't make it any easier to tell someone they need a donor or for someone to receive that news. I think that can be obviously... um, I, I often fairly early on in the piece, if if I have concerns about someone's treatment or or how they're responding to treatment, I tend to put all the options out on the table fairly early on, just to introduce the concept of maybe you'd need a donor um, to help you get pregnant. It obviously for many people it's a complete, a complete flip on what they've been thinking about of you know how they're going to create their family. So I really encourage a lot of A lot of thought and consideration, and uh, sort of gentle guidance as to whether this is, you know, what their options are and whether it is the right option for them.
0: So you go through the whole process and the whole journey with them?
1: Yeah, I try to. Um, I mean, most people aren't thinking about donor initially, but you know, I know mm. for some of my patients who I know have are very close to going through menopause, um, I see a lot of patients who go through menopause quite early. So even, you know, I, I do see even teenagers who go through that. Um, but you know, where I think there's a high likelihood that a donor may be needed, then it's, it's time to... Start the conversation, not necessarily to say that you wouldn't proceed using their own eggs or sperm, but sometimes just, just introducing the concept. It's amazing how many people, um, you know, to, to yourself and myself, we know a lot about donor conception, but a lot of people didn't, don't realise it's possible and don't realise that that is an option for them. So sometimes this is all completely new to them. You mentioned
0: that there's some areas that will cause a person to start looking into egg donors, such as going into early menopause, or perhaps you've had cancer treatment that's left you infertile. However, you have women who have been trying with their own eggs for maybe 7, 8, 10 years, doing rounds after rounds of IVF. And you know then they've come to the realisation that maybe they need to start using a donor However, you know, that can't be an easy decision, especially when they are producing eggs on their own, but it's just not resulting into that positive pregnancy. You know, that
1: can't be an easy discussion to have. Yeah, and I think what, you know, it's always a difficult conversation. We have a lot of difficult conversations like this as fertility specialists. Um, And I think one of the really challenging aspects of it is there's so much we know about fertility. I mean, we know bucket loads about how to make a baby but there's so much more that we just don't know and that's what I find the most frustrating part of my job is to say well this is what's happening it isn't working but I don't know why and we've done all these tests and you know there's just a whole heap of of information out there that we're just not privy to and it's such a complex process the more i the more sort of lectures i go to and more i read about how you get pregnant it actually blows my mind that anyone gets pregnant because it's quite it's such an intricate dance of you know eggs and sperm and demetrium and you know and it's a difficult thing to test if you know most of the time where the whole area of impl- plantation of embryos it's it's fascinating and so complex but also so different difficult to to test and study in a human model um so it's it's certainly very challenging and i think that's one of the hardest aspects is to say look we really do not know everything about this and a lot of the time we're sort of you know, there'd be so much more so much easier if we knew so much more
0: so for the purpose of our listeners just starting or perhaps thinking about using a donor Now, once that decision has been made to join um, Melbourne IVF, donor program, what can they expect? What is the process?
1: So the process is usually involves quite a few different steps. Um, A really essential part of the process is for the patients to undergo counselling. And through our clinic and um, through Victorian law, there's actually two counselling sessions that they have. And the counselling sessions cover a really wide range of topics, um, predominantly about you know, the various considerations you need to take into account if you're going to have a donor-conceived child. Um, There is also discussion about the legal side of things um, in that the donors through the clinic have no legal rights or responsibilities as a parent. Um, Um, But they are all registered so that sometime in the future, if your child wants to contact the donor or find out information about the donor, that they will be able to do that, which we think is a really important um, part of our program. So the counselling also allows, allows for conversation to happen and allows for people to ask questions that they may have um, regarding having a donor ch- child because for many people it is a new consideration and th- there may be things they haven't thought about.
0: Now I'm sure it's known that throughout Australia there is a shortage of egg donation. So how does the clinic manage the demand and the patient's expectations?
1: Oh, look, it's very difficult. I think it's one of the most challenging things, oh, you know, aspects of my day. Um, I was just talking to a patient today about donor eggs and our donor egg waiting list, and it's, you know, years long. Oh, really? Um, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very difficult to get donor eggs. Um, and th- th- I think there's a variety of reasons for that in Australia. Um Partly if you think women on average in Australia are starting their families at around, you know, in their early 30s. In Victoria, it's around about the age of 32, is the average age of having your first baby. And for many people, fertility isn't at the forefront of their of their mind, or certainly donating their eggs isn't something that many people would consider doing until after they've had their own children. Um, And so often you know, these women. By the time they finish their families, they're in their late 30s, and then they might think about donating donating eggs. But by then, it, it's really too late. And um, you know, we we have quite quite you know, fairly strict guidelines as to who we'd ex- we'd accept as an egg donor. Um, and a lot of people just don't know that it's possible to donate eggs. That um, I think there's a lot of misinformation. As to who, who can donate eggs and who can't donate eggs. Uh, this certainly is a bit of a common belief that you have to have had a baby to donate to donate eggs, but that certainly isn't the case, certainly not through our clinic. I thought that was the case. Yeah, well see, there you go. <laughs> Point proven. Um so no, when I mean, we take every every situation you know, we take into the merits of every situation and assess them on the basis of the individual. But it's not a requirement for egg donation to have had your own child in, the, in you know, before. Um, it is different for surrogacy. And I think that's where people can sometimes see. Uh, yeah, that's,
0: yeah. that's where I'm thinking um, and getting my worries crossed. Look, I'm quite active on Clubhouse, and there is a US doctor. She is a facility doctor, and she's taken a different approach to actually recruiting her donors. She's tapped into a different generation using TikTok. Uh, I find it very creative and, you know, look, perhaps it's because there's complete, like the states have different laws because it's commercial and in Australia is altruistic. So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty much sure that there must be restrictions on how Australia can actually recruit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, it is creative. I'll, I'll give them that. <laughs> But in, in Victoria in particular, there are a lot of checks and balances in even as far as donating, yeah, advertising for egg donors. So any advertisement we want to run as a clinic, we do need to get approval from the government that that's an okay, okay ad. So it does add extra layers of complexity to to donate to, you know, to advertising for donors Um, but i mean social media is the way where everyone gets their information nowadays so Mm. i can understand that compared to traditional avenues of media um you know that's what all the young people are doing they're looking at tiktok and instagram all day so it's a great way to get the word out to many many people
0: Yeah, definitely. So what is Melbourne IVF doing in order to help with the egg donation and
1: the shortage? Trying to educate and really uh, inform people that egg donors are needed. We have uh, a great number of patients waiting for donor eggs. uh, And for for many of these patients, it's the only way that they're going to be able to start a family. And as I've mentioned before, so many people don't realise that you're actually able to donate eggs and that you don't need to have had a child in the past. You do need to be fit and healthy, and it's certainly not, you know, it's not like it's it's quite a process to go through. Um, but we're hoping that by educating people, letting people know about the need for donors, that more people will consider that it's an option for them.
0: Now, I've spoken to a few women, especially around the shortage, and they've decided to go overseas. But with COVID and our borders currently closed, have you seen an
1: impact? Absolutely, Ella. Um, it's it's made something that's already very, very difficult, virtually impossible, Um so I have, met, I have some patients who have embryos made from donor eggs that are overseas and they can't get over to use them. It's very difficult to import embryos into Australia, especially if they've been made from donor eggs or donor sperm. Um, but it's actually at the moment it's, it's difficult to import embryos even if they're made from your own eggs and sperm because a lot of the courier services aren't operating to the same degree that they used to because of all the restrictions around COVID and obviously these little embryos are are precious and we want them to be couriered in a manner where they're they're not going to get damaged so they do get you know VIP service but unfortunately COVID has really limited that extremely
0: yeah it's tough I have a friend who's in this current situation where she's not able to get her embryos into the country and she's had to jump through hoops and barriers because you know she's not able to travel um, because mm-hmm. of our borders and it's a stressful situation to be in especially when you can't get an exemption from the government and to travel
1: so, oh, and it's so even if you did get an exemption it's you need to have the flexibility of weeks in quarantine and maybe not being able to get back into Australia as well, Mm. which a lot of us don't have.
0: You know, and for some, time is running out. So, you know, if our borders continue to be shut, what is the implication?
1: Look, I I think there's certainly a case for it. Um, And you're right, time is running out for many of these people. And going through fertility treatment is stressful enough and anxiety-provoking enough and to be really inhibiting and stopping people from going over it's it's such an emotional stressor that's being put on top of these an already very stressful situation Mm,
0: yeah what would you say or what advice would you give um to someone who was thinking about donated but didn't know where to start
1: well the first place to go is is to contact your local fertility clinic um most fertility Fertility clinics will have egg donation programs. Um, It will vary what the requirements are will vary from state to state and from clinic to clinic. Um, But the first step is usually to meet with one of the fertility specialists and get assessed um, as to your suitability to be a donor. Most of that will involve a lot of talking. So the doctor will usually take a a thorough history to find out about your medical health and your gynecological health. Uh, We do certain blood tests and ultrasounds to ensure that the, you know, the ovaries and the uterus are healthy, um, to give us an estimate of, of how many eggs you might have or, or how active your ovaries are, which is something we can estimate through a combination of ultrasound and blood tests. Um, there will be counselling. So if someone does decide to go through, if they're approved and thought to be suitable to be a donor, then counselling, you know, just like it is for recipients, it's a very important part for our donors and I guess one of the, the aspects of local donation that I really um, feel quite comforted by is that we do our very best to try and look after everyone involved in the situation. And at the heart of it is what's in the best interests of these children that are going to be born as a, as a result of a donor conception. So I feel that certainly the situation that I'm involved with is very careful and very well thought out. Um, we do try and look after everyone to make sure everyone's, you know, questions are answered and everyone is, is supported throughout this journey.
0: Fantastic. Having an open line of communications is so important. Now, let's just talk about donor conception children for a sec. You know, I believe that education and advocating for donor conception children is very important and it's important for me. Um, Telling my daughter her story and about our journey is important for us. I don't think I can even hide it anyway, because I think I've told everybody who um, can listen about our story. Um, So... Um, But it's important for us to reinforce who she is. So she is confident and proud of her story. I remember doing my research before we started IVF and I spoke to a few donor-conceived adults who, um, I guess, in the 70s and 80s, the message that were given to their parents were, um, if they were using a sperm donor, was to not say anything. And as a result it was quite damaging for them to find out later on in life that they were donor conceived. So telling her now while she's young just makes sense to us.
1: I agree with you, Ella. I think, you know, we've definitely have moved away from a culture of, of don't tell and it's difficult to do that. It's very stressful to keep a secret um and you know often these children weren't told um weren't told over years and years but often things come out you know especially nowadays with the the onset of um, the advent of genetic testing and easily accessible genetic testing like ancestry and the dna ones that that they can do um that I, i i think it's a culture of secrecy is really difficult so we are very much nowadays um like you said you you, you we very much try and cultivate a, a let's tell everyone let's be honest with your story it's much easier to be honest and to to tell your story and tell your children of their origins than it is to try and hide it um and and always live with that fear that somehow it might come out or someone might find out
0: The truth never really stays buried, right? It always comes out at some point.
1: It's so true,
0: so true. If someone's still struggling to come into terms with using a donor or they need some more support, can they tap into more counselling sessions?
1: Yeah, so the counselling... I think it, it very really varies as to what your reason for needing a donor. I mean, I see a lot of single women and same-sex couples where they know from day dot that if they want to have a baby, they're going to need to use a donor. Um, not that it always makes the decision-making process any easier, um, but it, it, yeah, I guess it's more of a given that they're going to need that. Um, I think it's a particular challenge for couples where there isn't sperm or eggs, where or the you know the eggs particularly haven't haven't worked. So. The counselling, it's not only just about, you know, this is the legislation and these are the things you need to think about. It's also making sure that the people involved are supported as well. And and have worked through through their grief. There's a lot of grief in in infertility. Yeah, you're right.
0: Um, And, you know, I have to agree having that support, Uh, system around you is important whether it's from your partner your family friends but even if you don't have that support there's a wonderful support groups out there where women from all over the world are supporting each other and sharing their stories and you
1: know it means that you just don't have to walk through Mm. your journey alone. Support groups and I mean, having the internet, it's changed, it's opened the conversation and people who otherwise might not have ever met anyone who'd used a donor or be going through the same processes as someone else. It's really um, given them extra avenues to help them through.
0: Yeah, absolutely what I love is that we're all fighting to break barriers and raise awareness to normalize that there are different ways of having a family and achieving um, your family dreams you know however when I think about it um like in schools kids are actually quite aware that there are different families That it's no longer a traditional you know mum and dad um and they understand that. They understand that their friends might have two dads or two mums,
1: and that's normal for them. Absolutely. My kids are the same. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I'm in a same-sex relationship, and our kids are donor-conceived. Um, but they're certainly by no means the only children that are donor-conceived at the, ho- at the hospital, <laughs> at, at the school. Um, so, yeah, they, they, and they know so much more about reproduction than what I ever did at their age, that's for sure. My kids get sick of telling their story and <laughs> telling about their story and talking about sperm and eggs, and there's always the eye rolls. But um, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'd always remember a story. Um, it was another lady who had um, a donor sperm, and her daughter
1: used to tell her friends,
0: Look, I'm, I'm from a donut. And they were like, A donut?
1: What do you mean, a donut? <laughs> My kids had, had a similar story where they had the donut dad. <laughs> And um, it's like I've got a donut, Dad. And so they thought there was this, you know, person, you know, hit, handing out donuts every night after school. Which wasn't okay. So It would be a good idea, though.
0: <laughs> Kids, oh, they're so funny. So,
1: and that's what we can learn a lot from them is that they they're very practical and they're very accepting. Mm. Um, and they they know there's a great variety of families out there, and they you know, and if if we don't, as adults don't have problems with it, then them as children might, don't have problems with it either. So. Mm.
0: Yeah, sometimes I think it's adults who make it a little bit more confusing.
1: I was just gonna say further to that, it's it, it will be more if it's more talked about, it will be more acceptable and the shame that was often associated with needing to use donor eggs or sperm will hopefully lessen and people will feel more able to be truthful about their story and feel you know, be truthful without consequences.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think it's really important for us and for people to share their stories through socials, through support groups, podcasts. So people know that they're not walking alone in their journey, that there's someone who will be experiencing something similar. And I also want to reassure you if you are thinking about using a donor that you will not look at your child any differently than the Mm. next person. You will love them unconditionally and they will be yours no matter if one isn't the biological parent.
1: Yeah, it's certainly love makes a family more so than the genetics. And as I say to my patients, babies and children, they require so many things that you don't, you can't get all of those things from one or two people. So it really does take a village.
0: It really does. Uh, Is there anything else that you'd like to add about the importance of donating?
1: Just, I, I, I think I'm in a very fortunate position that I get, I get to help people make a baby, which is pretty exciting. And seeing, you know, the joy that, that ensues as the result of that i just think you know we all have hard days at the office but every so often you know it really does keep me going that you think oh, you know there's that baby and look oh my god they're so happy um you know i had a, a patient email me today that just had their baby and first of all i thought my goodness how could have that happen so quickly because it seemed like only yesterday they were only just pregnant but it, it you know just the 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 appreciation these recipients have for their donors and um, how grateful they are to be in the position to have started their family it's just yeah
0: it's such a blessing to have specialists like yourself walking the journey with us helping us create our families even though you know as you say there are some crap days and um, some great bad days and it's important to celebrate the wins Dr. Melissa Cameron thank you so much for your time today and if anybody would like to talk to you further about any topics that uh, we have discussed in this episode I'll have your details in the show notes but in the meantime happy Mother's Day and have a wonderful day thank you. It's an absolute pleasure Ella
1: and good luck to everyone on the journey.